The federal government announces new housing measures and they are paltry. The federal government paid consulting firm KPMG to help it figure out how to save money on consulting firms. What exactly do we know about Canadian Armed Forces participation in Israel? Election night last night across the United States and Portugal's Prime Minister is out after corruption charges. Good morning. It's Wednesday, November 8th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. It's all federal news this morning. Well, till I get to international news, of course. (laughs) First, let's talk housing. Recall that the federal government got itself out of the public housing game in the early 1990s. Real estate companies, banks, and mortgage groups convinced the government that home ownership should be sought after over public housing, and ultra-low mortgages lured people into buying homes. It's one of the many reasons for our current housing hell. But this story, which doesn't mention this background, from Nojud Al-Malis from the Canadian Press, tells us that the feds are hoping to get back into the public housing business. Kind of. Yesterday, the Liberals announced that they would build more than 2,800 residences on public properties across Canada. This, of course, is a drop in the bucket, but still. The Canada Lands Corporation will be dedicating 20% of their projects to affordable housing. But, of course, there's a catch. Affordable, not social housing. Let's see if Almalis tells us what the definition is for affordable housing that the federal government is using. With this plan, the federal procurement minister and my member of parliament, Jean-Yves Duclos, said that they will be on track to build 5,300 affordable homes in five years. The first 2,800 units will be quote-unquote unlocked through agreements with developers, and just 300 of them, at a minimum, will be quote, set aside for affordable housing. Al-Malis situates the decision in the context of the Liberals' sinking popularity. Pierre Polyever has promised to sell off 15% of federal buildings and lands to developers, which, of course, is a windfall for them. And he's even fantasized publicly about someone living inside the CBC building in downtown Toronto. The NDP was critical of the Liberals' announcement, saying that what's needed is more targeted investments in affordable housing. Al-Malis doesn't elaborate on what that means. There is no definition in this piece about what affordable means every time it's used by a politician quoted in this article. And that's important because there's a lot of different definitions for what affordable means. And people who are the poorest in society often still can't access even what is termed to be affordable housing. Next to an article so hilarious, it reads like satire. The Globe and Mail's Bill Curry is reporting that Ottawa hired the firm KPMG to consult on how to handle one of their problems. It wasn't immigration, as they've relied on consulting firms in the past to help them understand that. It wasn't finding new words to say ceasefire. No, it was to seek advice on how to save money on consultants. $669,650 was approved to be given to KPMG to develop, quote, recommendations that could be considered as options to ensure that Canadians' tax dollars are being used efficiently and being invested in the priorities that matter most to them, unquote. Um, You know what? That's literally the job of the finance minister. (laughs) That's literally the job of the prime minister to ensure that Canadians' tax dollars are being used efficiently and being invested in the priorities that matter the most to them. That is literally the politician's job. 
literally. And it's the bureaucrats' job to realize the priorities of the politicians. That is supposed to be how government works. This is all very, very, very funny. Anita Anand is heading up an effort to take $15 billion out of the state. And so, of course, she's asked KPMG about how to do this as it's related to consultants. Now, I do want to note that this article says that the Globe and Mail has reported on how much money the Liberals have spent on consultants before, which is true. But it's not cool that they didn't credit Thomas Gerbet in particular or Radio Canada in general, who has done the most significant journalism work on this file already. But that's just how journalism goes, and so shout that out there, making sure that at least you folks are aware of that. One of the reports from KPMG focused on how to save money on IT, things like reducing the cost of contractors, software asset management, and this is my favorite, printer consolidation. Hmm. Curry reports that Ottawa spent $15.7 billion on outsourcing professional services in 2022-2023. This is what happens when you hack the public sector to bits, but then have to buy back services from the private sector. It's a rotten practice that undermines democracy and loosens control over the machine of government. And the amount that it has increased since 2015 is 88%. The spending on consultants has risen by 88% since Trudeau became prime minister. Anyway, think about this the next time you hear that the government is going to cut back on something. It will always pop up in a more expensive way somewhere else, ensuring that a private multinational firm is in charge of it and can profit off of it. Meaning that, of course, our ability to make changes or demand changes or whatever is vastly diminished. And speaking of cost cutting, the next story looks at what exactly Canada is doing right now in Israel. Jeremy Appel, reporting for the Maple, has found that contrary to the official line, Canada has been somewhat involved in Israel since they launched their war on Gaza. While Canada was evacuating 461 passengers out of Tel Aviv to Athens, the Canadian Armed Forces flew two flights to Israel with 28 Israelis on board. This was done, quote, at the request of the State of Israel, reports Appel. The numbers come from Vice Admiral Bob Ochterlone, who said that he couldn't say who the people were, as in he didn't know, but that Israel had been in touch with Global Affairs Canada, who put the request through to the Armed Forces. Global Affairs Canada told Appel that they flew more people than Octorloni said. They said that they flew 36 Israeli nationals, including diplomats and a surgeon, and that none of them were explicitly reservists or military personnel. There was also a small team who came from the Canadian Special Forces Operations Command and members of Joint Task Force 2 sent to Israel. Global News reported that they were helping out at the Canadian Embassy and to collaborate with the Israeli military. Canada in 2022 has exported $21 million worth of military equipment to Israel. And Appel spoke with Mohanad Ayash, a professor and a Palestinian, who said that it's well known that the Canadian Armed Forces is participating in training security forces of the Palestinian Authority. This is part of an mission driven by the U.S. forces called Operation Proteus. Ayash explains that the goal of the mission is to, quote, police Palestinians, not to protect Palestinians from Israeli settlers. Now to the United States, where there was election results last night all across the country. Here are some highlights from the New York Times. 
Ohioans voted in favor to amend the state constitution to give people the right to have an abortion. This was a massive victory for activists there and a blow to the Republican attempt to make abortion illegal. The vote passed at 55.5% as of last night with 84% of polls showing. They also voted to legalize marijuana at 56.1%. So marijuana in Ohio, just slightly more popular than abortion. Other things to note, the governor of Kentucky, Andy Bashir, who is a Democrat, was re-elected. This was a victory celebrated by local labor leadership. And the big loser last night, transphobia, which failed to stop Democrats from winning in Kentucky and Virginia. So really good news from a night of elections in the United States. And you can look up other results if you are curious about a particular state's results. Finally, to Portugal, where Reuters is reporting that Prime Minister Antonio Costa has resigned. It happened hours after his chief of staff was detained by prosecutors over a corruption probe into his administration. The corruption investigation focuses on handling lithium mining and hydrogen projects. Prosecutors are specifically looking at whether or not there was graft and influence peddling in the Barroso and Montalegre lithium exploration projects and a hydrogen plant project and massive data center investment. Costa has rejected the allegations but said he would not run again for a fourth term. He is the head of the Socialist Party. They have a majority in Parliament, and so the president of Portugal will now see if they have the support to form a new government or if an election must be called. Anti-mining groups have called for the cancellation of lithium mines in the wake of this news, arguing that the project wasn't done transparently enough. One of the fears of the fallout here is that it will, quote, kick off the privatization, unquote, of the country's national airline, TAP. Those are your headlines for Wednesday, November 8th. I'm Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful day.